everyone. Welcome to this episode of Carolyn Talks. I am your host, film critic and journalist, Carolyn Hayes. This is the podcast last YouTube channel where I talk to film creators about their work, the industry, and what inspires them. And today, I am very happy to be joined by Jaehoon Soo, or as he'd like to be called, Fred, to talk about um, his career as a film student, because right now he is in, technically in production, post-production, right? Mm-hmm. For his second short film, JSET, which is a film about this young boy Jin who is discovering the difficulties that his mother has um in her relationship and in her marriage because Jisuk is a um a Korean ancestor right of passage that you do for those who have gone on. It's um you do it yearly. It's an annual um it's an annual event and usually from my understanding the brunt of the labor is left to the wife mm-hmm. of the old eldest son. So mm-hmm. they prepare all of this food, which is always looks delicious to me because mm-hmm. I love John. And they they prepare all this food, and then it's about bringing the family together to pay um, homage to this person who's passed on. But this film, from reading about the premise and seeing some of the behind the scenes footage that you sent me, is about um, this young boy realizing that his everything isn't as perfect as it seems. You know, his mother's struggling, and then you realize what is the cost of p- doing something this um important when that when it's stressing out another person which is his mom so i really i'm really excited to be able to talk to fred about this film and to talk to his work to talk to him about his work as a film student because you will actually be my first official interview that i'm doing with a film student normally i do and i speak to film students like but i haven't actually formally interviewed one so thank you so much for joining me again <laughs> thank you karen that was like the most wonderful introduction of not just me but like the film the project okay. i'm working on it i think like i appreciate how much you understand what i'm drawn into the story and what i'm trying to get across and so honored to just be able to to like just have these casual conversations with you but also be a film student and have this opportunity so thank <laughs> you for having me Yay. um so tell me about this film so jace as i mentioned is about this ancestral right but i thought it was interesting that you make the protagonist a, y- a young 10 year old boy because to me, I kind of read it as you're trying to show how, um, especially in a society like Korea and everywhere is a very patriarchal society mm-hmm. and having a, a male subject, a male character come to the realization of the imbalance of power, you know, right. and the gender dynamics at home, but also uh, of, of Korea as a whole. So tell me about coming, creating this story and why you decided to make your protagonist a 10 year old boy. Yeah, no, thank you. That's such a great question to to ask so um to begin with like the inspiration this story is heavily influenced by my, my personal upbringing my personal life i'm a writer who likes to write based on my personal experiences so for me oftentimes the subject or the protagonist is a is a, a korean male um at you know a certain age that i've been through and when i was growing up i would see this kind of tradition as a family reunion and a celebration and i wasn't aware of what my mom was going through to to sat like make sacrifices not just for labor but what she was doing behind the scenes for the family because i was too young i was just too innocent to know my family was kind of separated i was in america going to school going to boarding school going to prep school with my mom and my brother and my dad and all our relatives were in korea so we would co- I would constantly travel back to see them. And when I would see uh, my relatives and family, it was getting 
like accustomed to my native culture, which is in Korea, this kind of patriarchy and honoring traditions and honoring the dead. Um, but seeing that my mom was having to perform a role that was specific to Korean culture, which she was not really restrained by in America. In America, she was just a free, like, adult, a free woman, a, a mom. And at the time when I was, you know, growing up around, like, between the ages of 10 or 12, I would go back and perform this ceremony. And it, everything was very cinematic. Like, it was moody, the the lighting, um, the ritual. Like, there's incense. The, you can smell the food. And it's very it's very solemn. Like, you you bow and I could see this moment being a movie in my life like that I want to make one day. And later on, as I became an adult and an adolescent, like 18 or 19, going off to NYU film school, that's when I fully understood what my mom had gone through, what kind of sacrifices she'd made. And we were finally able to talk as an adult instead of like a kid. And at the time, I wanted to write like a feature screenplay version. And it was hard to you know, make it stick because it was my first time writing a script and, you know, learning how to make films and and be a screenwriter, be a filmmaker. And then flash forward like five, six years, I went back to the Korean army. I came back to New York. I'm in my senior year about to graduate. And as a thesis film, this kind of felt like the only film I ever really want to make at this point. Um, so I got to make a short about like 15 to 20 minutes almost as like a proof of concept, but really just, this was just the the film that I felt I knew the best and I wanted to make the best. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, the thing is about, as we were talking, so there's a film called um, Come Home Again by Wayne Wong. And um, it's kind of where it kind of focuses on um, Chuseok. And it's about, oh. it's, and it's about this um, Korean American a man and his mom is spoiler dying um yeah. but like he he comes to the same realization that you're have that you had growing up and then also the character of jen where is like as his because his mom is so sick she can't prepare the true sock meal so he's yeah. taking on the responsibility of that of preparing this meal and then he comes to the realization of how much work yeah. his mom um undertook every year preparing um true sock and all of these meals and then he realizes, oh, wait, I thought my mom loved this. And she did because she shared oh. with him and everything. But then he realized, yeah, it's, you love doing it, but it's also labor. You know, and like, you know, and it's about the whole, you can say, oh, the labor of love. But then you realize, no, sometimes you have, you, like, the love doesn't translate to the labor because, you like, the labor is just so oppressive. You know, it's just so heavy. And like, your film is like that. It's showing, like, yes, you this, uh, this ancestor is about showing respect and love and honor to someone that you miss and that you you you're paying attention to them and you're showing that you haven't forgotten this person has passed on but for the person who has a responsibility of preparing this right they're not able to even invest into the emotional side of that because the labor is so intense and it's so oppressive they can't even miss the person that they're supposed to be honoring because they're like i got to prepare all of this food for all these people and as they're getting to talk about missing this person like even preparing the food isn't the end of it, you know. They still have to make sure that everything is going according to plan after, after afterwards, you know. And it's like, but how are how is this? How are you really honoring someone when someone else is being yeah, oppressed in the absolutely. same way? No, that's a very good point. And I think when you asked about you know how I decided to put it in the lens of a boy, 
it just became it was it was so obvious to me because when I was growing up, I was seeing what was happening with my mom. And it almost seems like maybe like the word injustice is a little bit hard because, you know, she's still performing the role that she has to or that she wants to, even though it's not favorable. Uh, But I would just be a kid and I'm watching this and I'm confused and I'm like a bystander. Like I'm not really solving the issue. We're trying to change it. And I was probably nervous and scared. I didn't really know what was right, what was wrong. And as, as like a male, I don't know, Korean writer, director, my only experience of that knowledge, that, that story was from the perspective of a little boy. Like it didn't make, I don't really have the breadth of knowledge to write this story from the mom's point of view or from a woman or for a girl, because I never went through that. I can only imagine so much. Whereas I have the advantage of at least knowing what it's like to see this from like a third person. And, you know, one of the like most important scenes in the film is this boy is kind of, uh, you know, performing this ceremony at the end um where he's offering seeds and fruits and snacks like the the food to to the outside world to like to nature to give back and he stumbles upon like this window and there's curtains and he's looking through into the kitchen where his mom and his older brother who kind of knows the situation is having a very like harsh fight and he is his like that's his moment where things are like starting to shatter or is he's realizing and I think that was just like the the best way for me to tell this story, um, just through the lens of a of a kid who resembles me in in one more ways than less. Yeah, and I think that's important because because and this is something I've been talking a lot with talking about a lot with people. Whereas as the world progresses, I feel like we're regressing. You know, whereas. And in relation to the story is that, yes, women's equality. Yes, we want all of these things. But then it's like the way, for, uh, of course, I'm not Korean or anything, but the way, but it, it's kind of the same way in the Caribbean and in like a lot of households where for Christmas, you know, the, the responsibility of preparing Christmas um, meal usually falls to the mom, you know, and then to the daughters. And like, I have a, I have a brother who's 10 years older than, my, than me and my twin sister but usually, even when it came down to preparing Christmas meals, my brother would be outside. He and his friends had this tradition every morning at Christmas after we do church service. They go into the um, Queens Park, which is like the National Park of the um, Barbados, and play football for hours on end. Yeah. While we are at home in the kitchen making Christmas dinner. And we and I, I remember one one year, I was like, why isn't Sean here? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like, and my mom and my mom was just like he's just not and i'm like but hold on why is this even accepted why is it all right. the boys in the neighborhood go and get to play cricket or yeah. ball every sunday morning while the, their moms and their aunts and their sisters are preparing the meal you know and it's just like but why does this automatically fall to us you know and it's like the world has progressed but i'm like uh, so many things haven't changed and you're like why can't the boys help prepare the meal you know for jsoc why can't the boys help prepare the jsoc um ritual um, ceremony you know why can't they help prepare the food you know and all of that yeah i i completely understand agree with what you're saying because i think like there is this you know unquestioned uh following of traditions and history and customs and culture and you get to like my growing up 
background is def- very different from my mom. Like she accepted these because they were the norm. And now I go to school in America and I'm accustomed to just like more of an egalitarian society or like democracy. And, and I'm thinking like, this is odd, but I guess we're going along with it because no one's really making a point or making an effort to change. And I'm and like, that would like kind of concern me. Like, am I supposed to, you know, take action to intervene? And even like to this day, when I go back home to Korea, like when I go to my grandparents' house, like they, who I love so much, who, and they love me so much that they like prepare all these amazing dishes and foods that they just spoil me. And and when I go to the kitchen and try to clean up or do dishes, it's like, no, 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 you don't do that. Like that's, that's leave that to us. And my brother, my older brother, he's five years older, you know, he has a fiance now and they're getting married next year. And, and she's come over for, for meals at our grandparents and she'll be doing dishes and I'll go and try to help. Cause that's kind of like what I do now. Like I, I cook, I, I, I do dishes at home. I sometimes do dishes like at my mom's house and my brother's house. And my grandmother will be like surprised and be like, Oh my God, like, look at, look at our little grandson, like help out with dishes. And it's just, it's just funny. Um, but I think like with this film, you know, back then, I don't think I had a voice. I wasn't, I wasn't like aware of what to say or who I was. Whereas now I just, I have a better sense of who I am now and what, I, what story I can tell. And I have a voice through this medium and this work. And it's not so much as aggressive, like, let's not do this tradition anymore. It's more like, well, we love this tradition. We love my family, but something is off. And I just kind of want to present it in the most naturalistic way so that maybe people can have their own assumptions and own conclusions. Like maybe things can change. Maybe it doesn't have to be this way, but it doesn't have to be a harsh like attack on the tradition, the culture, because that those are still very important for my grandparents and my dad, like who value this custom. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about getting rid of the custom and the tradition. Like these things are very important to staying close to our culture, you know, especially as people of color. It's just like the way of doing the yeah. ceremonies can be done differently. Like the load can be shared equally between <laughs> both like your mom or your dad or a brother and a sister, you know, or a husband and a wife. It doesn't just have to be one person doing right. everything. Just share the burden. You know, and I think and um, and as you're talking, like, so there's something that as a person of color is something that I try to talk about a lot in my work as a film critic and a journalist, especially when I'm talking to creatives of color, um, where like, like you mentioned, like being in like North America and in the U.S. and like, as you said, like society is very egalitarian, but then also being also very aware that, you know, like, as I was saying, like, it's not perfect. You know, living in North America is not perfect. You know, like we still have so many struggles there's still a lot of imbalance in regards to like gender equality and all this kind of stuff. But where, when it comes to like a lot of um, ethnic cultures where I think for a lot of people, they think you ought to become progressive. That means doing away with tradition, you know, doing away with the things that make our cultures unique. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and that's something I was trying to like talk to filmmakers about. And I'm like, but okay, you say you want to make, yes, the society progressive. And I'm like, don't do away with like the JSA. Don't do away with all of these these traditions just like even the load you know just like hmm. pro- make it more progressive you yeah. know saying like a husband and a, a husband can help his wife prepare the the ceremony even for doing like making kimchi like the annual kimchi uh making like husband can help his wife mm-hmm. make the kimchi you know it doesn't all have to be the mother and the sister and the and the mother-in-law and the grandmother like the men can get in on the do too because that's also how you learn about your cultures because i think for like a lot of 
cult, a lot of ethnic cultures, you have people within the cultures who don't even know certain aspects of it because they don't take they don't part in the preparation of it. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, yeah. No, absolutely. I I think, like, you know, growing up, like, you, you see that it's not perfect and you think about how can it be done better. And, like, like this story is almost, like, just a chance to see or put into context and see the perspective of of an event of a custom after we've had some time to digest like this was happening to me back in like 2005 mm-hmm. the film is still set in like present day um but it's it's like how is this tradition that was honored in 2005 how we, can we adapt it or make some changes to, to the present day because you know i still want to retain like i think history and and traditions they are like it's what makes us us like as people as 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 families or cultures and i want to like honor certain aspects and retain that because they matter to me and they're they're impo- like they're fun they're um i take a lot of pride in it i think just being korean and how my grandparents raised me and um yeah so it's i think it's a cool opportunity yeah it is and i, I like something literally just occurred to me as you were saying, like, I think one of the reasons I'm fascinated with like Korean culture in particular is because there's so much of the culture is about acknowledging the ancestors and where you came from. And as we we're talking, it, the thought occurred to me, like, we don't have that in Barbados. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have something that in our in our communities. Yes. Like when someone passes that like, you have like, your obituaries on that. Like we literally have to keep the obituaries because that's how we remember like the person, you know, and like. But I don't have my grandmother's obituary, you know, because that's back home in Barbados with my mom. My sister and I, we don't have anything here. The only thing I have of my grandmother physically, apart from me, my face looking like her, is a picture. But as you're talking, I literally said, well, if if we had something like Jaysuk, it would, I would probably remember more about my grandmother's passing. Like, I don't even remember how long ago it was. I, it's probably, like, I've been here 15 years, so probably 20 years. Uh-huh. But I'm I'm not exactly sure because... I don't have something to mark the time, you right. know, whereas like for, for that ceremony, you are able to mark the time that the person passed. So you can remember exactly. Yeah. It, it holds a space and a day for where you actually get to remember them. Like, mm-hmm. like I think about the movie, like Coco and like the other smartest in Mexico. And it's such a like beautiful tradition and celebration and such an, like the more I think about it, like my, grandparents on my mom's side have passed away but we don't perform the ceremony for them because um like that side of the family was not as conservative or not as traditionalist and uh, you just kind of forget that they still they were part of your life that they exist like their tombs that we go every so often but like i think about like my grandparents on my dad's side like we honor this every year like every time i go back to korea and i know what that when they passed away that like I'll still want to do this and remember them and 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 hold them in my like conscious like world because they are such a big big presence presence in like my life and my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me it's kind of the opposite. Like for my grandmother, my grand, my mom's mom, she's the one that passed, and she she was the one that my sister and I grew up with. You know, like she's the one that really um, instilled a lot of things for me. I think one of the reasons I love film and TV so much is because of her. Because every every time we spend time with her, she sit down in front. We sit down in front of the TV and watch the news and like days of our lives and like <laughs> and like the soap operas. And so I think and a lot of old like Hollywood films we would watch with her. So I think that's one of the reasons I love film. But I, it always bothers me that I 
I would have to call my mom and ask what day did grandma pass because I can't remember it. Whereas right. like for my mom's, my dad's mom, she, my, my sister and I, we met her. We met her when we were eight years old. She had, she already had Alzheimer's. So we didn't really have time to get to know her. Right. And when she passed, we was like, okay, she's passed. It's like, okay, dad's mom has gone. But like, it didn't have any like emotional right. impact on us. So like, that side like we don't really have i don't have an emotional connection to that part but for like but again like if i if we had some like my dad doesn't really talk about her that way because my dad is old too he's 90 <laughs> but like but yeah he is old <laughs> but like but like but we don't have anything to really mark right that passing and for me that's like very sad where the people that came before like the people without whom without literally we would not exist I don't have anything to really mark their passing. And like, for me, that's very sad. So, but like for Korean culture, you have that. And like, I think is that, as you said, like for the point, the purpose of the film is about um, showing how things could change. But I think it's also beautiful, like for you, like this is, uh, I kind of see as a way to honor your, um, your history, you know, and to honor your grandparents and like, and like to be able to look at, take this film and show to your family and say, here, yeah. This is how we can change things. But then it's also <laughs> saying, but it's also you showing them here. I'm actually making a film about our family. You know, yeah. I'm actually making a film about our, about our connection to the people that we love. And like, it's a, it's a story. It's, it has a message, but I think it's also just like beautiful that you're making, that you have this thing to show to your family and say, this yeah. is how much our family means to me. Yeah, no, thank you so much. That, that That's like such a wonderful thing to say. And, and I think like family is very subjective. Like, when I was growing up doing the ceremony, like I didn't understand what the importance was. I was just like, I arrange fruit here and we just eat. And my grandparents would be like, this is your great grandfather. Like you are the descendant of like 26, you know, bloodlines and families. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it only sounds important because he's telling me it is. It's not that I feel it's important. I know it's important. Like I still don't know who my great grandfather is or was like, yeah, like he grew up with this background and, whatever like my grandfather now i like gotten to know who he was when he was younger and i've created this bond with him and i'm like oh i really admire him i love him and i like want to remember him um but you know these days in korea like as i think like our generation gets more modern there's less and less time that families are spending together like like back in, in the old days like it was like three generational families like the kids the, the parents and then the grandparents like always like not necessarily living together, but always like having a shared experience was now like less and less, like a lot of families will see their grandparents, like on a special occasion and there's not really a bond. And when they pass away, it's just like, yeah, our grandparents, you know, like there are grandparents, but it, it might not have been like, it's very subjective. Like I have a different relationship with my grandparents on my dad's side to the grandparents on my mom's side that, that like, I didn't see that often. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's the same, but but the thing that you just mentioned something, and it's something that I've been noticing being reflected in film, whereas Korea is becoming more modernized, like like people are kind of like distancing themselves from like specific aspects of the culture, like with regards to like relationships to grandparents or great grandparents. I'm actually noticing that in film and in dramas, like where you're seeing less stories where you have characters being um having scenes with grandparents and like, mm -hmm. it's more focused on like the younger generation and their story but you're like 
okay, where's the grandparent in your story? You know, where's the mom? And I, I legit watch films and I watch dramas. I'm like, where's your mother? Yeah, no you know, parent. where's your grandparent? And like, there's no inference to that. And I'm like, and I'm wondering if it, I'm thinking if a lot of that has to do with these changes in um, Korean um, society. And like, as things grow on, like we know like the birth, birth rate in Korea is like yeah. falling, plummeting. And I saw a report just a couple of days ago where there are like 80% of Korean people between the ages of 25 and 40, I think, are single. Right. Wow. And oh, really? I was like, wow. And I'm like, how is that going to affect the film industry? Because what are the stories going to look like in yeah. like 5, 10, 15 years? Yeah, I think especially in New York, uh, where I go to film school, you know, I'm with a lot of young artists who have left home for like the first time to be in college or who have different backgrounds and interesting experiences that are more individual that are more, you know, like on, like down on the ground of like living in New York as a 19 year old, as a 20 year old. And at this point in our lives, like this is what's in front of us. That's what inspires us. And a lot of times like family, grandparents, like they're, it's, it's, it's not, we're not surrounded by them anymore. They're back home or they're, you know, depends how close you are with them. So I think the stories tend to be more internal, at least in NYU where, there's more like independent filmmaking yeah. and personal stories. It's it's really what's in your heart and like what makes you you. And for me, it just happened to be that like that family played a big role in this story and and my background. But I think it's just it's just different. It depends on like the artist and and the person. But you see the thing you're you're saying that, but your your actual film twenty thirties actually reflects the other aspect of it, where it's just this very internal story, which I think is interesting. You have one story. That is about the family and it's oh, yeah. that's true. That's very insular. That's and it's true. Just about these, this guy and his girlfriend and this other person that he's interested in. And yeah. like, it's a very contained, it's a very self-contained story. You know, it's literally three characters, but then it's like, it's, it's, it is basically we're talking about the life of a, of a student in NYU where it's just like, right. this is my, this is my world. This is my reality right now, school and the relationships that I'm really in, yeah. involved in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think like that story is about like career, like and and college and dating, and like there was no room for like family in that short film. Like if there was a feature, like obviously I could have incorporated like like the parents and like other friends, and but in that story, just it didn't really need more characters. And I I, I like being able to contain it to three characters. That when I made this film, it had eight characters. I was like, how am I going to direct eight actors? How am I going to get every character involved? But then rewriting and rewriting and getting to learn, like meet the talent and seeing new opportunities to have them all be a part of the story was so exciting for me because this, there was like eight characters, the mom, dad, son, brother, and then like the relatives, the uncle, aunt, and then the grandmother, grandfather. And even if they didn't have speaking lines in certain scenes, their presence in the room, the scene would make such a big difference and influence in my eyes. And the actors really appreciate that and took that to perform their roles. And it just elevated the story because it felt like, okay, this is a story about family. This is about eight relatives that are like indeed a family, but also not a perfect family. And we had a wonderful cast and, and a wonderful like chemistry in in the room in between takes mm. and so that's why i wanted you to talk about casting so tell me about 
casting from a, going from a film that has just three characters to one that has eight and the challenges of that and like I guess because I always like to ask about the pros and cons. So tell me about the challenges of going from three to an eight cast and cat and like going through the casting process yeah. and finding people to pick to to embody these characters that you imagine. Because as you mentioned, some of them don't have like any amount of significant lines or whatever, and like they're but their presence still has to tell a story, mm-hmm. you know. So talk about the casting process and like where you were just like we're like, oh my god, how am I gonna do this? Yeah. You know, because like there's always that moment you were just like. But I think we would have to do anything because if you're like, how do I do this? You know, <laughs> like sitting down and like writing. Writing is so hard. Like for me, when I have to write piece, I'm always like looking at the computer screen. I'm like, what will my first word be? So like the casting yeah. process is like that. So talk about that. I can tell you very easily that there's one pro and a million other cons. And the one pro is it makes a better story and a better film when you have great actors that can play these eight roles mm-hmm. for this film. The cons are just endless. When I when I pitched this idea, when I first started this draft, the feedback I got was, you're going to have to make this film in Korea. There's no way to cast eight Korean actors that are going to be good actors in New York uh, for a student film. So then it was about like, all right, I don't want to do that. I want to make this film in New York, in my like home base of NYU, um, during my school, like my academic year, when I have resources, when I have the guidance, when I have a schedule. So then it became, how are we going to make this achievable and one was paying the actors like i went from working with student actors who were working for free to working with adult actors who are older than me who have experience and assembling this cast because out of the eight roles i had one person locked in which is my roommate who played uh who's always acted for my films because he's korean he and i just have a great relationship understanding of like performance he's an acting major at nyu he just graduated his name is sung chol Choi. he's the one who and- played jayon in 2030s right yes yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the seven cast there was a kid the mom anyways um we my first short film it premiered at a small film festival in la called michelle over the summer uh this past summer in la and we really had a hard time submitting our film to film festival or getting accepted, even though we felt the story was strong. And I felt that, you know, those shortcomings I needed to strategize and think in a more like commercial business manner uh, because like I am a film student and an artist, but I'm trying to learn how the industry works and how we can, how I can like present my brand or filmmaking and, and get those opportunities. So the next step was to, bring in like a recognizable talent or a star. And I was interning at Bound Entertainment. It's a Korean American production company in LA this summer. And I watched this one film called B-Side for Taylor, which is like a Korean story. And one of the characters was a Korean mom played by an actress named Esther Moon. And she was a, she played supporting roles in Minari and Partner Track. But in this film, she really played a Korean mom that was so authentic and like, that would be the dream casting. I would want someone exactly like her, of her like caliber and, and status. And we built this pitch deck around her. And I was talking to other filmmakers who'd work with other talent, you know, at this early age um, as a student. And they're like, yeah, you should just reach out to her manager or agent, just cold email and, and, you know, pray for the best. And we 
reached out to her and she saw that her agent got back to me and she said, yeah, she said she um, saw the pitch deck and she's interested. Can you send the script over? And I was like, okay. And we, we sent the materials. We, I, I had a casting coordinator at school, but we needed a, a bigger presence or, or some help. So I reached out to a casting director in, in New York. He also works in LA. His name is Wayne Chang. And he, I met at an Asian American international film festival where I volunteer. And he was able to help us bring in Asian American actors because he has a bigger pool and bigger influence. And we were able to fill in the rest of the roles thanks to him. And, you know, his, his concern was that there's not many, Kore there's not many Korean male actors in New York who speak Korean fluently, which was something I required for this specific story. I really wanted that fluency in language. And luckily we had a few candidates, but for like the grandparents, we couldn't find Korean actors. So he asked if I was willing to change the script to fit Asian American actors who didn't have to speak Korean. Mm -hmm. And we ended up finding uh, two wonderful Japanese, Japanese American actors, um, Tadashi and Mariko, who played the grandparents and Mariko, who played the grandmother, said, I'm willing to learn the Korean lines if you give me a chance. And I was so thankful for that. So we had her learn Korean lines. And for the grandfather, who was a really important presence and character in the story, said, don't give me any Korean lines. I don't want to botch the accent. I want to keep the story authentic for you. And he was happy to perform these gestures and movements and actions with no lines um, even though he's been on bigger productions and bigger sets and shows and that kind of humility and enthusiasm was just, it was just, it just permeated throughout the set and the cast and the crew and everyone had a great time on set. And then the performances just really took off. And that's, that's what you want as a director in the rooms, having the simple things set so that the actors can perform and be free of, to like really just exercise their craft mm. can i ask how much of the dialogue is in korean i would say almost 80 percent um the english is mainly used between the son who's kind of a korean american boy who's grown up here and our, our actor romo lee he's like the first child actor i've worked with but absolutely brilliant like understood the character to a t understood the performances and he's not korean he's chinese filipino but he look korean and he understood like everything that was going on in the room like we would recite current korean lines and he's like wait what does that mean again and we're like oh i'm sorry i forgot that you don't speak korean because he was he was acting so perfectly mm -hmm. and um there's a little bit of english that that goes back and forth between the mom and the brother because they're also based in america and i really had fun allowing the actors to kind of improv and improvise and do ad ad libs because that's kind of what I wanted in this family that you're you're chatting like there's there's a lot of conversations that happen in the background in the foreground that doesn't have to be so scripted mm -hmm. yeah like in you're talking about the challenges of finding older um actors that could do Korean and having to basically go for um Japanese American actors so I wanted to ask you did you even consider perhaps going for non-actors like you know like <laughs> Going for the Halmunim and the and the and the head up and saying, you know what? Let's go for let's just go for like fully authentic like <laughs> Korean experience and just going for 
like a grandma and a grandpa and I would have been up for it. I think that was definitely an option that was brought up early on. And it's not something I've worked <laughs> with. It's not something I'm looking to do right now. Um, mainly because if I knew people, if I was in Korea and I asked my relatives, hey, would you be willing to act? Would you be willing? If I knew the people, I would feel more inclined. But if it was a stranger, if I just had to cast someone in Korea, I'm like, hey, do you want to be part of this movie? You're just going in there with so little like vetting. It's like, can they act? Are they a hospital person that you want to work with and be friendly with? Uh, because, you know, on productions, like you don't want the actors to be like, okay, like, wait, like, did we cut? Like, like not know when to go in for a take and not know like the acting crafts, unless it is so natural to them, that story, that, that character. Um, because for me, like student sets, like everything's running on time. You're always short on time and I need everything to be functioning at like full capacity. And these actors understood the assignment were willing to work with the adjustments i needed with my crew and we were working so efficiently that every day uh, we had designed about 11 hour days so no overtime and we ended up wrapping early like 30 40 minutes each day which was just not the norm for like student productions and our older actors we're so appreciative and we're saying like, this has been the most smoothest productions I've ever been on. Um, and like, thank you for having us and having the opportunity for us to let us perform with these characters. Uh, so like in all considerations, just like, I think there is an advantage of working with actors who are trained, who are professional, like even paying the actors, you get a higher standard of, of, of skill and just more willingness. Like older actors I heard can be, difficult to work with in times like you know like if they have to go up these stairs at the house to get to the green room if the meals aren't you know but but our grandparent actors like they've had no complaints they were just so so warm and friendly to work with um so i think i was just lucky to find this specific cast and crew Mm, now you talked about having about paying and like how that it helps with the quality so talk about the finances now of a student film because like <laughs> making a short film reg a regular short film is expensive there's so much work that goes into it so much red tape and so much administrative work that goes into it because like a, a lot of people i think a lot of people have the misconception that short films are cheap they're not short, short films are very very expensive because <laughs> you got to do things like licensing you got to do taxes you got to get um make sure you have like the correct contracts you know to right. film and all of these things and workman's comp because you got to do insurance for potential yeah, injuries yeah. anything like that so talk about yeah, the logistics yeah. of creating a, a um a short film and like the financial side of that and the administrative side of that yeah so one thing about like film school i think undergraduate film school it's it's like it's almost a zoo because it's like you get there when you're 18 and 19 you're like i want to make movies and yeah you have fun and it's, you don't worry about money. You don't know what goes into making a production of feeding and, and housing and getting a group of 30 people to work together for one unified goal. And last year I, I made a short film. It was my intermediate film, my junior year. And that was like a 15 minute film, almost as big as like a thesis, but um, like a production budget for student films at that level I would say is like a ballpark around like zero, like no money at all to about like 3K, $3,000 for like a two to three day shoot. 
And our budget ended up being a little bit higher because of the locations we wanted to use. We wanted to kind of have good food and services for people, like working conditions. And so it came out to 8K. And now for this film, my senior year, I thought, okay, maybe I'll spend a little bit more if I have to like increase the budget between like 12 to 15K. But once we started to decide like we're going to pay the actors, we got to get these locations, it ended up pushing to about $30,000, 30K. And I think when you get to this level of like, all right, do you want to just be a student filmmaker? Or do you want to do this for a living? Do you want to do this for a career? That's when you have to just learn how to be a producer um, and work with producers. Like my producers were phenomenal. Like uh, I had a creative producer. Her name's Anna. She helped me with like the pitch deck and the script. I had a producer named Kaylin, Kaylin Lee Chu. She was from Taiwan and she handled all the production logistics, the budgeting and and we had to find a way to make this budget like um thirty thousand dollars which is not like which is not a small amount but if we were making this film outside of school it would have been i think this was about like i think we'd saved around like 75 percent because we were using the school's materials we were not paying students um, so this would have been like four times as more expensive. We were doing this in the outside world, outside of school, but we still had to make the money. And my family luckily is very supportive. Like my grandparents are funding my education and they would be happy to support this film like, like they did last year. But I still want to kind of make it a challenge for us to raise, to fundraise, because that's what we have to do at, at the end of the day anyway. It's good practice. So my family, my grandparents... We're willing to finance half the budget. So I earned 15K up front to, to go into production. And then the rest, we had to fundraise. And one way was crowdfunding, like our Indiegogo campaign. It's still going on around about $6,000. So then it's like, how are we going to make the rest of the 9K? Um, my roommate, the actor, he was working with the Soju brand, uh, Lotte, and their new products, Cero Soju in Koreatown, promoting it as like this new zero sugar drink that alcohol that you know young people like to drink and we pitched to them and be like can we include a product placement and they financed three thousand dollars so that's another chunk of money then we applied well, we can afford more than that <laughs> yeah then we applied to the school grant and we get another thousand or so and we're just like putting these pieces together and all of a sudden we've come up with most of the budget and we're like wow this was a successful production like we save money in some places, but we also raised money and and now we're about to like break even or have like extra funds left over for marketing and, and festivals. So it has been a very successful undertaking, but it was very difficult and stressful at the time. Like, um, so I wish I could just write and direct, but I think, you know, when you're in film school, when you're a writer, director, in independent filmmaking, it is your job to produce as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah, like like there's this thing where people, you know, on social media say, Oh, like, you know, just pick up a phone, just pick up a phone and, and make a film. <laughs> uh, it's a bit more difficult than that. Because mm -hmm. even but like pick up a phone, like you still gotta do editing, you know, you still gotta do post-production. You can't just go into any place and film and say, I'm making a film. No, you need licensing, you know, you need like all these things and like for student filmmakers i think for a lot of people that everyone's i want to be a filmmaker 
But then it's just like there's a lot that goes into filmmaking more than just directing the film. And even directing the film isn't just telling people where to stand. Like you have to envision this entire world. For me, I look at filmmaking as building an entire world from nothing. You know, like you have game developers, they build an entire game from like code, you know, from nothing. And filmmakers, it's the same way. Like you gotta build this, you gotta build this universe. It's not just picking up a camera and shooting. You have to envision the world that you that you're shooting you know you have to envision the story but in order to make the story you need help to execute it you know like okay you yeah you have a phone okay so what else do you what else do you how are you going to distribute this film you know how are you going to get people to see it you know yeah. distribution is another aspect that you got to figure out what like who who's going to help you show it around like taking it to people like for film festivals submitting to film festivals is a lot of work like we were talking before we began recording but film festivals um, pitching to film festivals is a lot of work and there's a lot of um, unsurety because you don't know if you're going to get accepted, but then you have to make sure you pitch to the correct platform, you know, like, you know, like TIFF has, like I think, over a dozen different um, categories. So, you know, and then like, a lot of film festivals, they have their different categories to submit your your projects to. So you got to make sure that you submit to the right person and you have the correct right contact. So filmmaking mm-hmm. is very complex. It's a It's a whole beast. And machine yeah. it's funny because like you talk about like oh you want to direct you want to make films but that only lasts like for me it was four days four <laughs> days of production mm-hmm. that's what we like there's so much work that goes into filmmaking so you can do what you love which is filmmaking and that requires like for us it was like six months of preparation and then after the film's done it's six more months of post-production and distribution and like networking and getting our film out there so that we there is a there is like a reason that we're doing all this it's that it's being shown people want to see it it's being consumed as as a content as as art and then it gives me the next opportunity to do it all over again mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah but you also got to make sure that this is really what you that you really have to be dedicated to it because it is like the dream is to be a creative but you also got to be an administrator <laughs> yeah you know you gotta be a ceo right it's like (laughs) yeah that's really what it feels like when i'm like working with 30 students and i'm like all right i need my head of departments to do this like it's a task force and luckily i went to the korean army so it's given me skills to be a leader and and work with the unit and work as a team with my collaborators um but it's it's a funny like career like in the span of a year i'll go from like writing by myself being so scared and like filled with doubts and worried and then I'll start to bring on people and then those people will like be the most fulfilling like relationships because you're working with them and you're bonding with them and then you have this amazing production on set <clears throat> and it's like all right bye like I hope I see you again <laughs> you go back into this like to this like part about being alone again like all right now I have to like do the legwork and work with people to finish the film to get it shown and then I have to write again and then maybe next year I get to work with all these amazing people again. And it's, it's like a, it's an odd cycle. It's not, it's not, it's very different from like a nine to five job or one that has bigger job security, but you're constantly shifting roles. Um, but that's just part of the process. And I think I enjoy it and I, and I'm willing to undergo those changes to continue doing filmmaking. Mm. Um. So I want to ask you now about making feature films. So like for, Everyone that says they want to be a filmmaker, everyone, they, the goal is to make feature films because to make feature films and to have a 
big budget film like with a big production studio and like in the uh main cinema markets and stuff like that's the goal of success but i want to ask you about short films because there's a this i this is i when i was in korea i spoke to um song day chat this is the person i mentioned to you before who is a producer um in korea he has a studio take production studios and he produces feature films but he's also he also produces dramas but he's also trained to get in he, he's also trained to help with production for short films because the film the guest that premiered at biff um started as a as a short film and that one showed at con and like we were talking about how a lot for a lot of filmmakers the goal is to have this big massive career and like that's and that's the mark of a successful filmmaker and I was also talking with it about Kim Ho, um, talking about it with Kim Ho Wan as well. And we were talking about how, why is it that making feature films is considered to be the mark of success? Whereas like, you know, why is it that short films are, are seen as less than, than feature films? Where I personally, I love short films because I love the fact that filmmakers can tell such concise stories, such complete stories in such a short span of time. And it has nothing to do with, a short attention span or anything it's just like the challenge you yeah. know saying let me take 15 minutes 20 minutes or even maybe 30 minutes and tell like a whole complete story in this short space of time and i love that i love that i love it because it's just like it, to me it shows up i think almost this is just me personally i think to me it's harder to make a short film than it is to make a feature film because for feature film you have more time Mm. you know you can have more time to fill in the story and build the story whereas for short film you're like as we we're talking like you gotta have this entire idea of what um just like means to korean people like this whole this whole revelation for this young boy happening in such a short span of time you know for a moment that could take years for people like maybe have a revelation about our families or about our culture you're right. putting that into one short film and right. i think it's to me i love that filmmakers take on that challenge you know, and I love when filmmakers start make it start their career as short film filmmakers and <laughs> then go on to feature films instead of just jumping straight into feature films. So yeah. I want to ask you about your uh, your um for you, do you do you see that you if you keep making short films, are are you gonna be like, you know what, I'm gonna make my sh- I'm gonna make feature films only now? Like and <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm not asking that to be antagonistic, I'm just genuinely curious because like you're now beginning your career, you know, like you're now really learning about the industry and not making the films but how film festivals work and how like distribution and all of that works now yeah no that's a great question and i think there's you know two sides to this answer one is like the commercial um success and also just like the personal undertaking so for me like you know writing like making short films is all i've learned to do or all i know all i've known and felt comfortable and felt capable of doing because that's been my education and training at film school and it is a very like disciplined craft because you're working with a very fine margins and you have to make sure everything that goes in here is necessary. Um, and it's very, again, like disciplined to storytelling and filmmaking that like you're respecting the audience's time and experience. And I think, sure, it's challenging, but at this point, it's 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 what I can do compared to like, I can't make a perfect feature film uh, right now, but the end goal is to go there because... I think we want our work to be seen and a short film is only going to get so many views and it's, it's, it's the big stages that like, I think as an artist or me, like who 
you know, loves playing competitive sports as a competitor, like you want to go to the bigger stages and bigger platforms and scenes where you're able to test yourself. And I think of like short films as, you know, there are different kinds of competitions. Like I like soccer and soccer has different leagues and Here you soccer is football. Football. <laughs> sorry <laughs> i love i love european football and you have the the leagues in england germany france and they're all different calibers and tiers but then you have like you know local cups and tournaments but then there's like the european comp and like every stage of the stakes get higher because there's more people invested like if i were to make a feature film like i don't know with like a24 and independent like that is that is where every independent filmmaker wants to go or you make a film with like you know, NBC or Universal or or Warner Bros. And like, that's a bigger like blockbuster tentpole commercial film. And that for some people is a big measure of success. And and I think I want to get to those stages and, and direct feature films because I want my work to be seen. I want to become a better filmmaker. And I think for in terms of right now, my comfort level, my comfort zone is short films because I feel like I've done it once. I did it this year and I felt like I learned and I knew how to execute it better. The next step is obviously to go to a feature film, just make my first feature film because I have peers that are kind of in that trajectory now. And that's how you grow. You grow as a filmmaker. My first feature film will not be perfect, but I'll learn a lot. And it just gives me that confidence experience to be like, okay, I know I can do this again. Because with a short film, you're handling with a number of fine scenes. In a feature film, you're just doing more scenes and if you know how to do each scene well in a short film, you just have to do it again in a bigger scene, in a bigger production, bigger days. But it's the same thing, all with the purpose to do one story, and all those scenes need to be in that story. So it's like the same job, but just at a bigger level, a bigger challenge. But I think I'm that's where I want to go next. And I feel like I'm ready to just take on that challenge, whether I feel ready or like whether I am or not. It's just like just going into that gauntlet of doing the next thing. Yeah. But you see, the, the thing for me is I just wish that studios would promote short films better or more. Cause like for like you mentioned in 24, I'm always I'm always like, but why can't these studios, these production studios have short film um art what's the word I'm looking for? Um what's the word? It's not arms, but you know, but like a, a devoted part of their productions to mm. help elevate short films you know right. like imagine if a24 was to help like uh, filmmakers who specialize in making short films and say we're going to give these these films just as much um visibility as yeah. a feature length film you know like i wish like for instance disney had uh our, our i got my issues with disney but that's who's them but you know like disney or warner brothers as you said like they had a division that's the word a division dedicated for short see. films you know, and like, because for me, I think one of the other reasons is if more if, if short films were elevated more within the industry itself, that would I think give a lot of um help with to me the sense of elitist uh, elitism, elite, mm-hmm. whatever you know the word um in the industry because that um it's it puts a, I think it puts a lot of pressure on um uh, filmmakers, you know, especially younger filmmakers to think. I can't make it. I, I'm not really successful unless I make it here. But then mm-hmm. it's like you you could be successful here too if you were if they just brought up like for instance short films to the same level as feature films. You know, I wish there were like more studios had divisions 
specifically for that because if which is and it's funny to me because all the major film festivals have short film divisions you know have short film platforms but again and this is something that me as a film critic and a journalist i always i'm for my work i always try to um uh, like give visibility to filmmakers who make short films because i'm always like people always a lot of critics and journalists want to focus on the feature films i'm like you got all these short films here too you know and some of them like i like a lot of film short films have like impressive vfx um like I've seen some short films uh, from independent student filmmakers that have like better VFX and I've seen a lot of big budget films, you know, <laughs> like they're doing the, they're doing the thing, you know? And, and for me, I didn't, and like, I asked you because I just want your perspective as a student, because I think for in the industry in particular, the, co- the competitiveness to be um, um, successful with regards to film uh, films is, putting a lot of pressure on the on filmmakers, you know, and not just on filmmakers, but also on actors, you know, because actors, they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm not really successful if I'm in a feature film, you know, but again, I see some impressive performances in short films, you know, and like your films, like for, I haven't seen like the, the new one yet, but for 2030, I think the cast did like, I think they did a, a terrific job, you know, especially the two main leads that played, um, Jayun and his girlfriend, like they, 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 I got everything that I needed to get from those characters, you know, like Jayun, I'm like trifling, and like <laughs> I got all of that from the performances, and like for the actress who played the girlfriend, like her scenes, like you, she went through a whole emotional journey in the scenes that she had, and I'm like, she went from being extremely happy to being completely disappointed and brokenhearted, and like such a short span of time, and I, I always try to say like. For, for for performers like your performance in this in this short film is just as important as mm. a performance that you could give in a feature length film you know because like you're doing your job you're conveying a story you know you're speaking yeah. to the audience and like for me i'm like i'm receiving this the message that you're sending out with your performance yeah i think you know again there's two sides where one is the visibility and just like monetization because like i'm learning that at the end of the day this like the arts and film is it's still a business for people and and people who aren't making who aren't the artists you know have to have a reason to invest and make money um and have a return of profits and you know short films is just less visibility like there's not really a market for it um i think another thing is that like we grow up watching films and like i idolize certain films and directors like like my you know role model for a filmmaker is like Christopher Nolan, you know, who makes these amazing feature films like blockbusters, but also artistic like masterpieces like The Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar. And that's where we want to get to. And and in order to get to that, you just I just feel like I have to prove myself that like, hey, I'm making a short film, but I understand the business like, uh, you know, requirements for this project and my future project and my brand and and how I can sell myself and sell my work to, I don't know, a studio or, or a production company to let me do what I want, which is make a great film. Uh, and I don't know, I think it's it's a natural process because like the arts and business, they might be in contention, but they're ultimately in the same goal of making a great successful film. And those restraints and challenges will make the artist and the work like persevere to overcome those obstacles 
And a lot of times it, it creates a better story, creates a better production, even though like, you're like, oh man, we don't have enough money. Like how, you just got to create, like you got, you got to problem solve, be creative. And sometimes it makes, it elevates the story and it elevates the movie in ways that you would not have wanted to or thought of before. But you know, like something I legit, and I agree with you completely, but something that just occurred to me and it was something we were discussing before we began recording where we were talking about attention spans. And uh-huh. um, how like people are saying like these two these films are getting ridiculously long for absolutely <laughs> no reason. And I the thought occurred to me, I'm like, okay, if studios really want to keep an um, audiences' attentions and meet the whole and and deal with the whole attention span um issue, invest in short films. <laughs> that's 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 very I, true. Invest in short films. Oh. Because- you know, like if you 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 satisfy the whole idea of the attention span, but also mm-hmm. like you have like the full complete story because like you, and you know it's ironic that studios don't even realize it because like for Pixar in particular, remember they really their short films oh, yeah. put at the beginning of every other yeah, feature film. Those are great. They would be just as popular. Like a lot of them were like I still think about um the lava short film, you know, I like Lala Love You You and the Bow short film. The and, Bow like, one, yeah. And, like and I'm like, why don't we do that anymore? <laughs> like, let's go back to like the short film format for like animated films and like yeah. and like those films became their own thing all on their own apart from the feature films that they were attached to. I don't even remember what Bao. No way, I'm wrong. What was Bao attached to? Was it um okay. In and Out? Inside Out, Inside Out. It was Inside Out, right? And like for the la uh, la 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 love you, I think that was in front of Moana, but like those became their own. They had their own like moment in the cultural yeah. zeitgeist, as you would say. But mm-hmm. like I like, but like just I, that's my any investors are watching invest in short films and invest in short film filmmakers. That's it. Um, I know you're gonna we're gonna have to wrap this soon because we have class. But once something else, I really want to ask you because we mentioned it just now. Your brand, like, what is your what do you think is your brand as a filmmaker? Your identity is as a filmmaker. Like what like what do you want people to know about you? um as a filmmaker from your stories um that's a great question and like i've been kind of trying to like ask myself uh that same question too in order to kind of make sure to like position myself as a filmmaker and 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 my stories and i i took a workshop with um like a mentor of mine her name is kaya Alexander and she runs like an entertainment business school. And that was one of the assignments we have. Was like, what is your brand? Like, like who make are you? It, <laughs> make it like simple, but also like enticing enough. And at the time I'd written this like statement because I was also working on a romance film at the time, not not drama. But at the time, like the brand statement was like a heartless romantic locked away in a cynic safe. Okay, what? <laughs> a heartless romantic <laughs> oh sorry 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 all right a helpless a helpless okay, I was like, how are you are romantic and heartless at the same sorry, time sorry i think the spell <laughs> check like adjusted the word but anyways I, I was writing that because like i think growing up like i was like a hopeless romantic in certain aspects of like relationships like like love and i like, love like rom-coms but then you get into the more like artistic films like christopher nolan and interstellar and inception dark knight and and as you grow and become more experienced in your life you start to become a little cynical and you get to see the other perspective and i like i like to explore stories that kind of um kind of explore that that gray ground 
of like morality and like truth. And so like my first one was about like a relationship and how like an idealized romance can fall apart, like with reality. And then the second one is about my like family and like how you think a family is perfect, but then you start to learn that there is some kind of disharmony and like cracks on the surface. So in that regard, like I just want to tell stories that are like natural about human um, personal experiences. But at the same time, I feel like it it's it kind of fits this indie drama genre. And where I want to go is I want to go and have more opportunities and position myself in a more commercial way so that one day I have the power and leverage to make these films that I want to do. So like recently I've been writing a TV pilot and working towards, you know, I want to be a writer first and I want to work in a writer's room. And that meant what kind of TV show could I write? And the story I knew the best was my Korean soccer team at NYU. I've been on this team for four years and I've decided to, I like, I love rom-coms and I decided to kind of try to create like a more, modern way to approach this genre because it's kind of outdated it's very um it, it wasn't really diverse in casting at the time and it's unrealistic like dating tropes and culture has changed so now like what i'm making is this soccer pilot which glorifies sports but it's also like making fun of like toxic masculinity and like just like a wholesome character who gets entangled in the wrong relationships and I think like this has a more commercial appeal because it's Korean, it's young, it has sports for the guys and it has romance for the girls. And I think girls like sports too. Like and, I grew up watching football. And I and think and David Beckham is one of my favorite films. Oh yeah. <laughs> I recently watched that great film. Um, and I think one, I'm having a lot of fun writing it, but I think it's a more attractive pitch or proposition for a studio or production companies instead of like another family drama or another Korean romance um, film. It, it's just, there's more upside and visibility and, and more, more exposure. I think just more like more areas that you could relate to as an audience and have fun instead of, instead of just going down this like dark, like, really serious story uh i think this will be like a rom-com at times but also like a dramedy um so i guess that's kind of like where i'm headed in my next direction so this would this be a korean a strictly korean production no this one would be almost all in english with like hints of korean because another thing is like i want to make a show that's that's for you know an american audience or a global audience but in america that's where i want to have my career in hollywood and this story is about like a Korean American uh, boy who's trying to get involved in a Korean soccer team. And there's like a language barrier. So he only speaks English, um, but the rest of his teammates speak Korean. So it has a little bit of both, but definitely like the dating parts, you know, he's, he's seeing um, like girls in class, but he's also getting tangled with like the manager on the team who's Korean. So it'll have both English and Korean, which is ideally you know, I think what I'm good at and what I like have, I'm having fun with. And luckily I feel like our culture is becoming more and more uh, open-minded towards foreign films, foreign languages and, and subtitles. Mm. Okay. So just one question. So if it's going to be, it's, it's a, it'll be a, like a Hollywood production, meaning America, 
why it would be everyone be especially if it's like young footballers are they not korean americans are they the korean um immigrants so the main character the protagonist he's going to be korean american mm-hmm. who's grown up here but then the team he's on is mostly composed of like korean international students and uh, so they're not really those are two kind of different cultures um, that I've experienced and I've gone to learn. And I think there can be like a point of conflict, but also different narratives and different cultures and storylines like Koreans dating and like Americans dating is also another like divide. So just a lot of like fresh material, I think that can be fun to explore. I'm intrigued by this. And the reason, one of the reasons I'm really intrigued by this, not just the sports elements, but what something I really love to do is watch Korean variety shows, especially oh. the sports variety shows. And like in my head, I'm thinking like it, 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 that like I'm like, I'm already like kind of excited for this because like <laughs> there aren't many sports centered dramas, whether American or Korean. Right. And like, so for Korean, usually if it's a sports centered, it's like really young ones. Like one came out two years ago, it's focused on badminton, right? Oh, and um, there was one called Stove Lee, which was about a baseball team. So, but there aren't many sports center Korean dramas. So I'm just like Stove League was a great show that I really love. Stove League is so good, right? It was like it was like Moneyball, but like K drama because it has to do with the front office. And I think my story has to do with more about the players and like the college experience, students, you know, young people. Um, But it's it's I forget where where you were mentioning just before, but oh, I was gonna say that like my comp is like Ted Lasso but a K-drama. So it's like, it has that like sports, but like this wholesome humor um, and the competitiveness, but also like the, I don't know, like the juicy like drama that that I think kids my age like to go for when they watch a show. I'm intrigued. And this is something I would honestly watch because it's like, you know, like for, and I'm not just referencing Korean dramas, but in Korean culture, uh, like they call them the, um, is it Goose Parents? Like where you send the kids overseas to study and like your <laughs> drama would be like the other side of that we have we have the dramas with the parents oh, yep. for yep. the parent for the kids but i'm like you never really know what is going on with the kids yeah, it's the kids stories now. this will be the other side of that where you get to yeah. see i guess into way to study it and like, i'm intrigued i would watch this honestly thank you thank you i, I hope i hope it works out because like, i hope so too i hope to like work on this sell it option it you know be a writer and make this in the next i don't know five years or so Mm-hmm. yeah this i'm excited like i'm good thank you so much for talking to me friend this was great you know what we might probably have to like if i'm ever if i ever get to um to, to, to new york or if you ever get to toronto we definitely have to hang out and chat okay with. yeah yeah i'd love to <laughs> thank you so much friend this was great <laughs> thank you carolyn this was so much fun I'm, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity just to to talk to you and and, and do a little interview but yeah thank you so much for like taking the time to really go through my work and just have amazing conversations. And you know, I hope to just keep in touch with you and do more things together in the future. For sure. Okay. Thank right, you. So, so everyone, that was another episode of Caroline Talks. And today I was joined by Jaehoon So, our Fred, um, the, a student filmmaker who has, to me, a very promising career. I, I really appreciate Fred taking the time to speak with me for this of, of recording. This wasn't the first time we've spoken. We've spoken before, but I really wanted to have like an official interview with Fred to get his perspective um, on the film industry as a student filmmaker, as someone who's now beginning their career, because as you know, like a lot of my, all of my interviews have been with people who have established careers in the film industry, not just as directors, but writers, producers, and so on and so forth. But 
he's the first official interview that I've done with a, a student filmmaker. And I'm so happy that he took the time out of his busy student schedule to talk with me about his first, um, his, this is his second um, short film, JSUC. And his other feature, his other short film, 20s, 30s is really good as well. I'm going to ask him about possibly sharing if we can share that because it's on Vimeo, but the but JSUC is in post-production right now. But I'm so happy to get his perspective on the film industry as someone now beginning their career, as someone who has a very clear to me um, vision of what he has, of his goals as a filmmaker, but also his vision for himself as a filmmaker, the types of stories he wants to make. And, you know, and I think that's very important for a young filmmaker and but someone who's taking all of the steps necessary to be as successful as I believe he's going to be. I'm really looking forward to this drama that he's writing because we haven't had a sports-centered film or show in a really long time, especially in like the North American market. Everything has been about, you know, representation. Everything has been about MCU, DCEU, war, all these things. But we haven't had a sports center drama or film in a really long time so i'm really looking forward and um i've had such a great time this year it's been very difficult for me personally but some of my brightest bright spots in my year this year has been doing all of the interviews that i've been doing you know attending film festivals like tiff toronto Relation international film festival the busan international film festival busan international short film festival and all of the coverage that i've been doing as a freelancer and for the um k crush american magazine like again i also have to thank my editor denise who's also the um ceo of k crush magazine because she has honestly helped me achieve dreams that i had uh for myself i even had a vision board for myself for 2023 and right in the middle of the vision board is attending busan international film festival i'm going to create and i achieved that this year but i can't wait to see what fred does with his career you will find of course the video version of this episode on my youtube channel that's youtube.com slash at symbol carolyn underscore hines find um the video versions of all of the interviews that i've been doing for my festival coverage as well as african-american film critics association go to my digital portfolio at r3.com slash carolyn hines find links to all the podcast episodes on youtube there as well but also to my written work you know, film analysis, interviews, uh, film reviews, and all of the op-eds that I've been doing as well. My social media is at Carrie CNH Show. That's both on both Twitter and Instagram. Find links usually in my pin tweets. I put some of my latest published works in my pin tweets and on my Instagram. Thank you for the, taking the time to listen to me and to this podcast. And and until the next episode of Caroline Talk to everyone, stay safe. Bye.